in a world where the liberal conception of democracy is that of a Habermasian thought experiment in which consensus between all groups and individuals is not only possible, but inevitable, given sufficient time and goodwill. One bear and one lady know that the only true ideal speech situation exists between this podcast and your heart. It's Knackers and the Vag. Hello. Say hello to a new calendar year of hideous global decay and say hello to our inert comrade Knackers. Hello, Knackers, a stuffed bear made in a factory, a mystified commodity. Uh, His qualities remind me to shut up every so often uh, and to stick to the point. And I remind you to say goodbye to 2018, whose official word per the lexicographers at Oxford was toxic. Now it's the Oxford word of the year for 2018. Toxic literally means poisonous, but it's also been used to describe situations, events, culture, and even masculinity that has dominated the news this year. From the Me Too movement that put the spotlight on toxic masculinity to the atmosphere of a political climate that at times got downright nasty, the word toxic weaved its way into our vernacular. In fact, Oxford reports a 45% increase in people who looked up the word on their website this year. Hello, it's Razor, a.k.a. The Badge, and here we are with our bear in 2019. You with your lovely ears and me with my big mouth in, what's the temperature? Oh, 42 degrees Celsius, which is 108 in the US currency. Moderate weather is dead and we live in toxic conditions. So what's the solution? Apparently, it's not to be a toxic person. It's to detox. So these are the things I've seen in 2018. Toxic debate, toxic discourse, relationships can be toxic, toxic politics, toxic gendered Christmas gifts, and of course, our favourite, toxic masculinity. So let's think about the headline word toxic and how its usage transformed. And how, like, toxic, it moved from a word that described actually poison things in the material world not so long ago, like, you know, radiation, for example, as in, mm, say, the Marshall Islands are toxic due to the ongoing brutality of the US hegemon. So even if they were imaginary poison things, right, like toxic food, which is apparently the thing a hashtag clean eater should avoid, Uh, toxic was still up until quite recently used to describe material stuff with the notable exception of Brittany, who is like a goddess to me and can use whatever pop psychological word whichever way she wants. But anyway, now toxic or toxicity, um, a toxin is a thing that behaves like a conceptual gas, I guess. Power is a gas, you know, you can catch it and... um, I don't know, it's sort of like a form of uh, contagion. And the whole 
toxic masculinity idea we, sh- we should say here is something you and I should talk about another time. And again, if you ever want to talk to me about anything, I do eventually answer emails, usually when I'm procrastinating, helen at badhostess.com. If I've not answered your email yet, I'm sorry, but I will get around to it. I'm cherishing it. It's a reward for me when I'm on a deadline. So yeah, let's not go on too long about the idea of toxic masculinity, but I have gone and read a lot of stuff about it and I was particularly, you know, because this word toxic is one I've Googled just to see how it was changing, you know, and as we heard before, uh, there was a 45% uptick in people looking at it online according to the lexicographers of Oxford. Um, and anyway, I've read a lot about, um, you know, the popular and various definitions of toxic masculinity and before we talk about it, in a future podcast here on Knackers, Knackers, Knackers and the Vag, Vag, Vag. I want to say at this point that I'm pretty convinced that I will find out that it's a useless model, that toxic masculinity doesn't help us understand or even critique the way in which certain tasks and practices in the West are seen as feminine and then others are seen as masculine. And, you know, I'd say that, um, you know, privileging the slave, the feminine, as the antidote to the master poison, which is masculinity, is, well, kids, it's some of that binary thinking. You're always telling me is so fucking wrong. Like, I'm opposed to binary thinking. It's just that those fucking liberals aren't. What they want instead is nuance, nuance. There's a lovely paper online called Fuck Nuance. I recommend that you look at it, particularly if you're of a sociological bent, but back to poison and back to me, boring the living shit out of your comrades, as is my want here on Knackers, Knackers, Knackers and the Badge, Badge, Badge. I do want us to be focused before we, you know, go on in the future And again, your emails um, and communications, don't try on social media because I find it too toxic, so I'm not on it. Get a friend to do it for me. But I do do want us to be like focused and sort of like on the same page um, before we talk about the, the concept of toxicity as inherent in maleness. And, you know, whether that's uh, a socially constructed sort of maleness or whatever, I'm not sure what the the new great liberal feminism thinks it is. And and also the concept of toxicity is just, I think, you know, it's a way to understand the present. But, yeah, I'm just sort of beginning to have these thoughts that the, um, the you know, that it's a prevalent idea, this is how people conceive of the world, that some people are full of poison and, and capable of spreading it like a contagion and then there are others who you know, eat a culturally clean, non-toxic diet Um, and, you know, they will say that Roseanne should have been off telly. I mean, you know, uh, either way, I mean, clearly the uh, ladies are screw loose and or uh, is reproducing the most toxic ideals of the present, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, you get those things, you know, that poison off the television, out of media, off Twitter or whatever and, you know, this idea that if the toxic is gone, then the world will be non-toxic, safe for kids. But I'm just starting to have these these thoughts and I guess I do think it's a good framework to look at power relations. You know, power relations as a sort of, uh, you know, um, some, you know, the world needs a detox diet, you know. And, oh, by the way, you can take a detox your masculinity workshop. Yes, I Googled it. 
And there is one uh, that took place in Australia this year in a lovely uh, tourist and wine area. And it was called Reawakening Our Caring Selves. And yeah, I mean, look, you know, it's easy to make fun of the kindler, gentler men's movement and, and whatever. But I mean, the fact that this can be sold and the fact that there are actually uh, yoga and exercise work- workshops in which men can do, you know, what have you with their kundalini chakra or whatever and just, I don't know, what leave their masculinity, their toxic masculinity drained on the yoga mat is incredible. And, you know, there's some places in Providence, Rhode Island where you can unlearn or detox your masculinity. And this prompts the question of the ages, which is what the actual fuckery. It would all be kind of funny and it would all be a bit, you know, fringe and you could say, oh, my gosh. But the thing is, and I'm still talking about toxic here. Yes, knackers, I promise that there will be a kind of point. Um, The idea of the toxic is part of ongoing but not particularly old Western tradition. And, you know, this produces the idea of the dietary detox, right? Just to be a bit of a history lady here, again, yes, pretty obsessed with the idea of poison. The concept of auto-intoxication or of the body putrefying itself was a very big medical science deal about a century ago. And actually the concept was quite helpful to microbiology and autoimmunology. But you know, who understands science, right? I don't understand. I pop this podcast on a thing and then pop it on another thing. It's all opaque to me. I am not a scientist. Uh, It is indistinguishable from magic. I, I can't explain it any more than, you know, I can take my simple conceptions of reality as I experience it and understand it and say, oh, well, you know, here's the the scientific equivalence, right? I, I just, I don't understand fucking science, right? I got, the only time I got an A was in behavioural science, which was psychology. And that isn't an irrelevant story. I want to talk about storytelling and how I must ban myself from offering you personal stories. Uh, stories of Naka's life will be forthcoming. No, they won't. Um, but so, you know, it was misunderstood as science often is. And people heard, oh, well, you know, I really need to get my poop out of me. And well, of course, I mean, that is an ongoing obsession for me. I'm consistently worried about my stool, which is apparently quite common. I was reading critiques in The Lancet of, um, yes, the obsession with toxicity has gone a little far, okay? I can, but, uh, maybe you're interested, maybe you're not. I don't know, fucking turn off if you're not. Your choice, choose your choice. So, you know, the Lancet, there's one doctor who's particularly uh, apoplectic about the idea of the, you know, the dietary detox and you know, the idea that there's good things to put in the body and bad things to put in the body. Uh, and this doctor, I think she says um, that, you know, she asks anybody about their their bowel movements and there is not one patient um, she's ever consulted with who said, yes, I'm happy with my bowel movements. So uh, perhaps we could say that this is natural. <laughs> I don't know. I am just like... Oh my gosh, like obsessed with fiber, entrepreneur, and I know it is like the worst or one of the worst forms of pseudoscience. I have paid somebody to flush out my bowel. 
Did I enjoy it? Fuck yes, I did. So detox and and toxic things are, you, you know, perhaps like they're persistently desirable, perhaps they're uh, like an instinct even, but they are also a very particular persistent myth which has been in conversation with the culture and so is separate like most human things, even natural human things are from this imaginary state of nature. And actually the idea of detoxing or of avoiding toxic substances, um, this was so uh, I think it was a guy called Bouchard who sort of came up with the idea of auto-intoxication. This was misunderstood. The rising um, uh, middle class uh, starts adopting certain, you know, non-toxic practice in their diets. And then this sort of segues into, I'm sure you've heard of the um, so-called eugenics, um, just as pseudo-scientific and full of shit as a colon cleansing kind of thing. Um, And this was also the, you know, the racial hygiene movement. And when did it happen? Did it happen in a time of great wealth inequality? Yes, the 20s and the 30s. Um, And eugenics rests on the idea, this sort of like scientistic idea of of racism and nativism that you can get the bad, this is for whites in the West, you can get the bad non-white stuff out of you. Um, so even though that, as we've said, like the idea of cleansing and, and um, um, uh, purification is probably quite widespread and such uh, throughout uh, recorded and non-recorded uh, human history, blah, 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 the particular ideas that we have about foreign poison matter in the West are pretty Western and pretty fucking imperial, right? So there's a lot to talk about um, as far as I see it about the word of the year, the word of last year, which is toxic and the idea of toxins in the West. And there's a lot to talk about the idea of um, the primary feminist movements in the West in the past and still being about you know, cleansing uh, of toxins. And this is, again, with the the sort of the eugenics model. And you probably already know this if you're listening to some midlife Marxist lady bang on that, you know, the much-vaunted um, Planned Parenthood Association in the USA and the Family Planning Association in Australia started out as racial hygiene organisations. Yes, yes. I even found a cookbook for racial purity from Australia in the 1920s and then one in the 1930s. And it's sort of like this idea that you have to guard your insides against poison. And the poison very much was blackness in Australia then. Um, That is, you know, Indigenous blackness, Aboriginal people. You you wanted to... uh, There's been some talk about... Well, there's been many years of talk about whether or not one should call the program of eradicating Aboriginality or what is perceived as Aboriginality like out of the interior of Australia and whether or not that is genocide. I mean, I reckon, you know, um, I'm fine with the concept of uh, genocide. I mean, I'm not fine with that. That is going to be fucking edited out of context, you know, but I mean like sort of talking as a framework because that's all we have, right, kids? just have frameworks of understanding. It's like, hey, does the Marxist idea idea of ideology exist? Does the Freudian unconscious exist? I mean, I don't know if it fucking exists. You know, I don't know if like dialectics is a true science. It's a framework for me to understand. Like, and the unconscious 
mind is a framework for me to understand that most of me, you know, isn't conscious, that most of me is like constituted by the external world, right? And so for me, I'm just thinking uh, with, with toxicity that this might be a temporarily useful framework to focus on the idea of like, get this out of me, get it out of me. Like, you know, you have to guard against your insights, right? You have to guard against Judaism and, you know, so the idea of um, Judaism being, uh, you know, infectious of like pure Aryans being like somehow porous and, you know, you could catch Judaism. That was sort of very much part of, of Nazism in the same period as we had eugenics here. And, you know, think about the, the purity of blood and soil that the Nazis talked about. And no, I'm not God winning. I'm just trying to make a point, right? Uh, oh, they love their natural health and their state of nature shit, the Nazis, right? And I think that there is a fucking herb garden at, is it uh, Dachau, the concentration camp? Homeopathy and natural health and, and racial hygiene are all anti-toxic ideas that appear in, you know, very toxic periods. And yes, yes, I would give my most supportive bra to research and write about this idea of the toxic. And particularly because it's a kind of obsession for me, being somebody who still calls herself a feminist. I don't know why, but uh, it's like, you know, my Marxist lady friends are like, well, you don't have to be a feminist. I'm like, I want to be a feminist. So, Perhaps it's just part of my own um, <laughs> uh, um, uh, exiting from, you know, a particular understanding of myself and I'm still sort of aghast when I hear liberal feminists talk continually about concepts like poison and purity, which are very much part of the, the Western liberal feminist legacy and, you know, the business class kind of like feminism for the 1%. You know, you see this even with the, what is it, the Time's Up movement in um, the, the US. They say that, you know, sexism causes as much problems in the, in the boardroom as it does on the factory floor as if there's a fucking manufacturing job left in the USA. Um, no, just no. I can't be bothered, really. Like, let's just uh, anyway. So, this this is this liberal feminist idea, right? Of, of holding your nose and saying "gross," that's poison, which you very much see in like the temperance movements. You, you know that the temperance movements and the and the liberal suffrage movement like give women the vote. And you know that there were socialist women who were opposed to women getting the vote, which. If you're new to socialism, it might sound a little bit crazy, but if you know uh, a little bit about, you know, the revulsion that a true Marxist, not one of these uh, redux Stalinist people have, um, has for the state and for political control, well, you, you know, well, it's like, no, we don't like politics as it is, right? It's like we don't like power as it is and and we think that in any case it's a false power that we have to choose from two virtually identical major parties and blah, blah, blah. So suffrage is very much, particularly in Australia, and I think I'm not so strong on US feminist history, but I think, what was it, Carrie Nations? Which she, she was into suffrage, right? And also very much into temperance. The Christian temperance women's union here in Australia is like, you know, the poison of alcohol must be removed from the culture and the culture will, you know, the toxic thing, if the toxic thing is gone, then we have this non-toxic matriarchal kitchen. And 
so, you know, this is the, the liberal and primary expression, I would argue, too, of feminism, like gross, that's, that's poison. I don't want the poison of testosterone. Like, and people actually use this term. And look, if you, um, if you want me to go on about this, you probably don't. But, you know, give me some money if you do because I think that there's something here. I really do. And I know for a fact that the pitch I would like to write a book about poison white Western feminists is going to go down like a lead fart at an actual publishing company. Anyway, uh, thank you, knackers. No more poison. Okay, just a bit. Let's just look at this idea about how women are the cure for the poison or were in 2018, okay, in discourse, toxic discourse. And I want to play you this, and it's from an Australian current affairs bit of idiocy called Q&A, and it's a bloke called Richard D. Natale, and he is the head of the Greens Party, supposed to be leftist. No, they're fucking Tories on tricycles. And um, he's asked about how to stop toxic debate in politics because that's apparently a really important thing to do. And he answers like this. I think it would make a big difference. I think it's a really macho, testosterone fueled environment. And I think having more women, uh, more women perhaps who are less like Michaela Cash, who are representing... I thought you were going to say more like me. But there are so many strong, powerful, progressive women in the parliament. And if you have, if you have more women that like... So there we go. Uh, 2018, as it occurred in so-called civil current affairs discourse, he's saying explicitly that women are the remedy to the poison, which is testosterone, but so long as they are the right kind of woman. So, you know, not this other woman. If we have more women in parliament, blah, 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 fucking blah, we will have more kindness. Call me, knackers, a little bit old-fashioned. Helen, you're old-fashioned. Uh, but the, uh, I mean, the badge. Um, but the fucking idea that women are gentler and kinder beings, what is it, by nature or by the fact of their oppression? Either way, it makes about as much sense as the idea that George Bush, that's number 41, George Bush, was from a gentler and kinder time, which is said very often this year in civil discourse, and, you know, this was all, this was said at his fucking funeral. And you get this, fucking cop this. There was a moment uh, from the funeral, Bush 43, he's greeting the presidents, he hands Michelle Obama a piece of candy, which is something that he did at John McCain's funeral. Such a small moment, but it really, that camaraderie stands in such contrast to what we saw with President Trump. It absolutely does, and um, 43 and Michelle just adore each other. They're cute together all the time. Yeah, they, they are. They do photographs and they um, have a genuine affection for each other. And so that was a, obviously a preordained thing that I'll give you a candy again. What but do you make of that, that friendship? That so Bush number 43 gives Michelle Obama a sweetie lolly, candy, and this is also what he did at John McCain's funeral. And here we have McCain and Bush the Elder, right, two men, Distinguished by what? Well, you know, according to liberal media, and uh, I've read it in the Sydney Morning Herald, The Guardian, The Washington Post, CNN, NBC, New York Times, blah, 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 you know, all of these purported bastions of civil discourse and our own state broadcaster, which is a term that they've started to use when describing anything uttered in China or Russia, 
the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, right? And they're quite happy to mention these two men as champions of non-toxic debate. And these are men who genuinely poisoned the material world with weapons, with death, with neoliberalism, and if you want to be all toxic discourse about it, with actual fucking toxic discourse. And this fucking Bush 43, this fucking Iraq war fucker is praised today in so-called progressive media for handing a benign, non-toxic piece of candy to that piece of candy, Michelle Obama. I'm sorry, that is not being racist or sexist. She is a fucking empty twit. Do you remember when she fucking stood up on Twitter with that fucking hashtag bring our girls back on her humble piece of cardboard? Like what the actual fuck? If you want to protest as the first lady, Boka Haram, ask your fucking hubby to stop fucking miserating Africa. How about a debt jubilee? And then the other thing, if you really want someone to bring our girls back, why don't you ask your husband, who's the president, who is the commander-in-chief? I mean, you know, it's it's absurd, right? It's absolutely absurd. And in 2018, I saw so many charades of civil discourse, you know, and really powerful people protesting. I mean, look, I live in this state in Australia called Victoria, right? And we have a government which is, oh, you know, tough on crime, tough on crime. They're the purported fucking left or centre-left party here in Australia called the Labor Party. And, you know, whatever, whatever, pack of turds. But I will say that they keep building a lot of infrastructure and I'm all for that. Build all of the infrastructure. Um, build the, build the um, you know, the railways and the schools. Um, that That's a good uh, use of, of public monies. Blah. But I see Daniel Andrews like marching with the unions, right? The unions, the workers, us, in part of the change the rules action. Like, in fact, he led the demonstration. And, I mean, so often do you see these these powerful people appearing to rebel and positing as the enemy something toxic, you know, which is usually the lack of civil debate. And I just don't accept that the powerful have any place in those sorts of actions. I mean, we even look at the UN sometimes. What is that Australian guy, Hugh, what's he? And he started like, I'm sorry, I'm so vague about this, but like the Global Citizens Youth Fucking Project or something. And all these people get together and listen to fucking Bono and fucking Eddie Vedder say, yeah, let's reach those sustainable development goals. Like let's respect this liberal institution. I mean, what, yeah, you're protesting for the existence of the UN. There's so many examples of this. And look up the sustainable development goals that the UN have. They're vague as fuck, right? I mean, as I saw described in uh, Jacobin, um, they are like, you know, a high school wish list. They are like beauty queen answers. You know, I want world peace. I want everybody to have enough to eat. Well, how the fuck are you going about it? I mean, like a debt jubilee, excuse all debt from all immiserated peoples. How about that? You know, that's a good start. No, apparently we have to fucking listen to Stephen Colbert. Oh my God, that guy's a cock. Anyway, poison, poison, Michelle Obama poison. Anyway, yeah, so like there's this idea that there's something poison in the White House. There's always something poison in the White House, right? Obama didn't act to stop the actual toxins. 
you know, he didn't act on climate change just as Trump doesn't. And so the problem, as it's understood in 2018, year of the toxic, the toxic gas, is that he is openly toxic, right? Like he opens his mouth and I think we can all concur, like toxic uh, flatus comes out, but it does not come out decorously. So as long as you hide your toxin, hide your poison, that's fine. But if you leach it out across the world covertly, you know, that's that's fine. Don't make a song and dance of it. And if you're going to call a nation a shithole, that's an actual toxic problem which causes nations to be shitholes. But if you make a nation a shithole, and please don't fucking tell me the US hasn't been in that business for some time, that's not so much of a problem. So the idea that there are those who poison the world through, you know, this gaseous form like speech and, you know, demonstration or particular kind of like symbolic acts, it does have some credence, right? I'm not saying that it's all bullshit. It's just not the only way that the world changes, right? So um, today I'm wondering what what I should wear, for example, to an anti-fascist demonstration here in Melbourne at a place called St Kilda Beach. So I'm just thinking, you know, how should I dress? I want to, you know, counter the symbolism of the racists with the symbolism of reasonable lady dress, like in case there's cameras there, right? I want to dominate the speech of division by maybe looking like a a middle-aged, slightly shabby church lady. Um, Maybe I'll wear linen and the kind of sun hat appropriate for light summer gardening. And so there's no form of discourse that has no no power, right? I, I, oh, so, sorry, Nackers, he, he warns you that I'm about to digress. Um, can I just say, though, and this is for fellow Melbourneites, what the fuck are fascists doing reclaiming St Kilda Beach? Like, St Kilda 3182 is not a place you have any claim on, right? I mean, it's long been a place for, for homosexuals, Sex workers, bohemians, you know, IV drug users, uh, homeless people and socialists like me. And and we were all there until the banks um, threw us out by lifting the property prices <laughs> uh, about a decade and a half ago, uh, which is why I live in the suburbs. And um, which is, you know, fucking not so bad, you know. I mean, it's just, why am I apologising to you? Sorry, knackers. Um, again, um, subject of another podcast, how banks manage the house price and, you know, like stop celebrating the dropping of the house prices. I mean, I, I celebrate it in terms of, oh, look, yeah, capitalism's crumbling, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to afford a house and it doesn't mean that your personal recession is not going to deepen. I digress. Sorry, knackers, but at least I do not fucking ponce on like a neo-eugenics fucking white feminist who wants to take out the toxins from the nation and the world. As much as a right-wing commentator calls for the cleaning up of our values, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just as one of those nativist fucking deluded fucks, I will meet perhaps in Linen this weekend. They are all calling for the removal of poison and it is not a good model. You know, it's not just a good model to say that's toxic, you know, as though this is something from outside and not something that the society or the culture 
produced itself. I mean, do you think these things are exogenous? Do you think that Trump, who, yes, you know, I mean, I, I understand, you know, call him toxic. I'm very amused by the Trump baby who floats above um, uh, cities and does in fact look like he is, uh, you know, buoyed by fart helium. And, you know, it's amusing to think of him as toxic, but then you excuse the society um, and the means of production which create you and all other things and you say, well, you know, Trump is an anomaly, Trump is poison. Uh, shit's not that fucking simple, right? And and you just don't take one thing out, like the poison thing, and then everything, you know, falls to benign rights. It's like, do you ever remember that thing on the internet, um, like this one weird trick to cut belly fat? It reminds me of that. And, you know, I was talking about misunderstanding science before, but... I'm going to use a scientific analogy, I think, here. So Charles Darwin tells us about evolution, as far as I understand it, that things get more complex as they grow, like organisms, like society. And as far as I understand it, nowhere does he say that they get better, like survival of the fittest wasn't his thing. So to evolve is not necessarily to improve. So here we are in this complex evolved time, right? which demands something more than get this poison out, right? Like let's just take this one bad poison thing out and replace it with what? What, what, what do you replace it with? Um, well, we know what the ham fucking shandies on the right want. They say take out the foreign matter, right? Black and brown, they're poison. Islam is poison, et cetera, et cetera. Homosexuals are poison. Pro-homosexual discourse is poison, whatever, whatever. And, you know, the progressives will say, oh, like it would, you know, cause anything to change if you have this pro-homosexual discourse, whatever, in schools, discourse, discourse. Doesn't mean anything. It's just nice. So on the one hand, that's benign. But on the other, oh, my God, that's so toxic. It's toxic. It's full of testosterone. Take out the foreign matter. So I don't understand how the progressive hope structurally here um, is any different from or is, you know, elevated beyond this idea of, you know, take out the poison thing, right, the one poison thing because the progressive neoliberal also claims that the detox or the, the removal of some particular waste is the way to balance shit, right? And why is Di Natale from the Greens in Australia saying, as he does, that, that testosterone is intrinsically bad, which is actually what he's saying. It's not a joke. You know, I mean, perhaps if you asked him, he would say, oh, well, you know, it was a biological metaphor and I was using it as a joke. But increasingly, I see the reference to, you know, natural masculine characteristics, their cocks, you know, their, their hormones, which is like, I mean, fuck, you tell me, progressive neoliberal, that you have like a pro-trans agenda and you want to talk about dicks and whether or not people have them or testosterone and, and whether or not that is a measure of insidious violence, well, don't make jokes about cocks and testosterone if you're so fucking up for your poison discourse and if you want to spend your fucking New Year's Day, you know, doing a critical analysis of the jokes that Louis C.K. shouldn't have told in leaked audio. And, oh, my God, he's a toxic man appealing to the alt-right and, and Judd Apatow agrees with me. I don't care. You know, I mean, don't listen. Don't retweet it. Don't put it on your Facebook page. 
But more than anything, don't despair that if Louis C.K. says the wrong thing, that if we remove it, then the world will be better because for fuck's sake. Sorry. Um, uh, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but the idea of testosterone, right? You don't get to say that something that occurs in, in nature is a problem. And you don't get to say that femininity like this natural idea of femininity. Again, very problematic. You know, my trans comrades, my non-binary comrades are being left out of this equation. And again, I'm not saying that I'm not up for understanding or tolerant language and I'm not recommending to you to be a vile prick. Oh, God, I just did it. (gasps) Helen, sorry, knackers. But, you know, so it doesn't mean that you have to be um, angry, but... The antidote is not femininity, right? And you don't get to say that, like, a feminine woman is good and that, say, uh, what's her name, Michaelia Cash, who you may not know, but she's vile, you know, politically, but spectacularly angry politician. And um, somehow, you know, her anger is, is, is bad and somehow she is less than a woman because she is not behaving in a feminine way, which is essentially what... Dean Natale is saying. And I just don't see how you get out of that. So, yes, obsessed with toxicity. We should keep this conversation in reserve for when I actually know something. And please, again, like if any of this sparks any ideas and you want to collaborate on this idea or perhaps you have some expertise in um, the idea of the monstrous poison, um, Helen at badhostess.com. And I would love to talk to somebody um, with expertise about the idea of uh, venom and the idea of uh, the feminist as the vaccine and the state of having testosterone or a cog, you know, as a form of autoimmune disorder. You know, the biological metaphor, you know, you don't do it, you know, if you really don't want to be a toxic speaker in public as though you believe most sincerely that the state of nature was a desirable one. So 2018, from the hit of the year, as far as many people in liberal Western media are concerned, as far as many people in finance are concerned, actually, if you watch this, I read in Forbes, you will be inclined to be a better leader. Better leader is leadership of the proletariat by the proletariat. So do you know what Nanette is? It's like the red pill of the deluded progressive, right? I'm not saying, oh, it's no good, right? And I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't enjoy it or be moved by it. It's fine. I fucking love a sappy movie or whatever. I didn't like that one, but that's just me. I'm just not much one for emotional one woman or man shows. What I'm saying is that this work is not the defining thing that many, many critics across the West, across the Anglosphere, wrote about it. I'm saying to view one's personal salvation as the world's salvation is not a project of discovery. It's not one weird trick to cut the belly fat. It's narcissism. It's like paleo, right? If you detox um, with grass-fed whatever animal and ancient grains, you can save civilization, right? You go back to the time before civilization and even though no one knows um, or can agree on what occurred before that time and, you know, it's not as though 
history occurred in all places. Um, you know, it, it, farming, for example, which is what paleo folks are obsessed with because apparently it's bad, they presumably want a planet if they think they're shit through with about five people on it. You don't know what it was like before civilization, right? Uh, human beings are by nature social. We've always been civilized or social, if you like. And so this imaginary thing about the state of nature, it's no useful guide. It's, you know, very similar to eugenics. And um, I'm, I'm telling you that Nanette is something that you may enjoy, but it is also the most conservative kind of position that Hannah Gadsby inhabits, imaginable. I, I really do think that um, imminent in her critique of people being mean is that the state of nature is there. And so the state of nature, right, it's just like the fiction of race. The, the, the state of nature permits the state of war and the, the, the fiction of race, you know, it, what it does is it, it, it produces a reality which is, which is racism. So I'm not saying, and Marx never said, I was reading the 18th Brumaire over the, um, the period, uh, oh, fuck, what have I become? been reading like fucking Marx for fun. <sighs> well, it's better than the news, isn't it? Right. And, um, you know, so the symbolic is powerful and what, like the fiction we write is powerful and it is toxic. So tell the right fiction then. Fuck your natural, your state of nature thing. Fuck your appeals to natural human kindness and certainly shove your pleas for debate in your holes, right? Listen to this. But this is why I must quit comedy, because the only way I can tell my truth and put tension in the room is with anger. But anger, even if it's connected to laughter, will not relieve tension, because anger is a tension. It is a toxic, infectious tension. Laughter is not our medicine. Stories hold our cure. I don't want to unite you with laughter or anger. So what, the problem as uh, the work Nanette sees it is anger and jokes um, and, the, you know, that's the poison. Tension is poison um, and the, 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 the anti-venom is personal stories and your story is my story and whatever, whatever. And if we have the right stories, apparently then we have the right leaders so, again, funny story to tell. The woman most qualified, as we all know, Hillary Clinton, um, yeah, so if it isn't um, Russia that lost her the election, um, it's comedians failing to do their job and making jokes about the man who took advantage or whatever, brutalised, I don't know what language to use, Monica Lewinsky. So that man which is a fact that is either unknown to Gatsby or something she just chooses, chooses to overlook, um, is actually the husband of Hillary Clinton. So the logic doesn't follow really. If the comedians had all made jokes about Bill Clinton and his uh, toxic masculine ways, then I guess his um, partner um, who has stood by her man would not in fact, but Yes, okay, all that aside, this is the delusion of 2018 whose word was toxic. 
What we need is more people being nice, especially people in power. It's really, really important if people in power are nice because they're just like us. Like, you know, what's a few bombs between friends? It's just the same, right? And so as long as all the jokes that are told are jokes that punch up or whatever and not like the jokes that Louis C.K. tells. And I mean, I don't know. I don't even listen to the guy, but apparently he's poison. Listen to Hillary at the debates in 2016, actually. I really do think we need more love and kindness in our country. I think we are not treating each other with the respect and the... Kindness. This from a woman who said in the instant that she learned that her Libyan invasion had produced the death by anal rape with bayonet of the Libyan leader. We came, we saw, (laughs) he died. Yeah, look, not to say that Gaddafi was a nice guy, but it's um, not nice to say such a thing about anyone raped to death, right? And it's not right to um, say, for example, go to Europe as Hillary non-toxic most qualified did and agree, as she did in 2018, that there was a serious immigration problem. Now, this is hashtag problematic for two reasons, right? So she said that the immigration to Europe was, you know, the reason for the decrepitude of the uh, EU and nativist opposition, i.e. what she's saying, right, and this is repugnant, black and brown people are themselves the, the root of racism, right? Even leaving aside this fucking vulgarity, and I, I'm sure that, you know, those who are not of the testosterone left are oh, fuck off, Ugh. will say, you know, oh, we can excuse Hillary. That's the story she has to tell. Like, that's the terrible thing that she has to do. This is the country she has to bomb. These are the Palestinians that she has to decry. These are the black boys she has to put in prison because really eventually if she gets in, everything will be, what the fuck? Seriously? You need to watch, you anti-testosterone left, purported leftists, you need to watch the show Horrible Histories on children's television. It's very good and it will show you that being nice and well-thought-out peace treaties did not stop the carnage at Carthage, for example. Interestingly. Oh, yeah, sorry, knackers, I won't go on. Um, The conquest of Carthage was the beginning of private property. I learned that the other day. Very interesting. Um, So, yeah, Punic Wars, whatever. So can we remember, apart from, I would say, Clinton's obscene racism there where she is charging black and brown people with the responsibility for the revulsion that some people have for them as toxins, right? They're toxic. That's what the right will say. She fucking popped the cork on Africa by turning Libya into a bloodbath, right? And this ungoverned space, whatever you say about Gaddafi, right, it's fucking worse now there. And this ungoverned space has no means of preventing the entirely understandable and ongoing diaspora from Africa where the effects of climate change are felt, war, and poverty, of course you're going to go to a safer place. We all would. Anyway, one last little 2018 clip. I've gone on, haven't I? 
I mean, there's something about the lack of nuance in Australian political life. There's been this centrifugal force uh, applied to Australian debate where people on the, the, the fringe, on the left and the right of the political spectrum, are very loud and very noisy. And there's almost a refusal to understand that there is a middle ground and that consensus is not an ugly word. You know, what is actually strong in, in, in an Australian modern life? It's been vulnerable. It's been able to say when you're wrong. And it's been able to say to someone who you don't necessarily agree with, do you know what? You've got a good point. So this is what it's all about in 2018, kids. I can't remember who that guy is. He's on some um, ABC television state broadcaster panel show. Um, So the answer to toxic debate is, again, non-toxic debate, sort of thing that we women naturally fucking do. I must be full of testosterone. And if only we're all nice and reasonable as is regularly recommended by both right-wing and so-called left-wing pundits on television, then the sensible centre will win. You know, as though reaching across the aisle like Michelle Obama and the fucking lolly drop from George Bush, who's done it not once but twice. You know, you tell me he's not doing that for the cameras because his advisors are not telling him or he hasn't got the good sense to say, oh, oh, people love reaching across the aisle these days, you know. So, of course, it was like a photo op. Anyway, so fuck both sides of the aisle is what I'm saying because both of them are corrupt and they're not the only two choices we have, kids. Are they knackers? No. Knackers is a non-binary bear. So don't you fucking call me fringe, mate. Don't you fucking call a socialist fringe and don't you dare compare the left the true left to the reactionary right, because we are in no way equivalent. Fuck your power. Fuck your love for power. The poison is not in our speech primarily, okay? The solution is not a Roxanne Gay column in the New York Times about this television show or that television show. And by the way, how did Roxanne Gay become celebrated as an intellectual, right? She just doesn't have much to say other than there should be better things on television and more representations of tenured professors such as herself, right? Yeah, You know, yes, these acts of um, intolerance or, um, or, or of extreme tolerance, in fact, on TV can be toxic, but nothing as toxic to an individual as the conditions in which that individual exists, right? The real material conditions. Your survival, whether or not you get to fucking mess those hierarchy of needs, you you motherfuckers, right? And when, you know, your hope for your material existence or your actual material existence has become less comfortable, and it has in my case, you know, I'm not complaining, but, well, I mean, I am. Fuck that. You know, I'd like to be able to afford to go to the dentist and the occasional kind of like facial. And, that, you know, the answer that you get is like, well, it's not your time anymore, sweetie. You're white, you know. You're a white woman and you have to make way. Well, no, I mean, if it were a simple case of, you know, I relinquish my privilege so like centuries of oppression are, um, are outdone, then, you know, I would probably consider going on even more of a budget, but it doesn't work that way. Things are getting shit for everybody. And uh, so the point is when somebody puts their hands on you or some, some machine puts their hands on you, some system puts its hands on you in your life, like mauls you, that's not the time for reasonable debate. 
when fascists begin to express a reaction that we've seen many times before in Western history, it's not time to yell, you need to engage in respectful discourse. It's time to see the fascist reaction as more than the product of a lack of private school education, you know, and it's about more than respectful debate. And the true violence in the world and the, and the most dangerous violence in the world is not as that enacted for reasons of mere poison, right, toxins, but it's something that reproduces itself. Okay, through capitalism. This is the bit where I sound like a tedious Marxist. Um, so, oh gosh, I've gone on for too long. Thank you, uh, Nakas. I'll say goodbye. Um, guests are coming up. And I'm sorry uh, that I didn't talk to Mikey Robbins, but that was because I had a migraine headache and I am basically a wilting Victorian lady. So I didn't do that. But I, I'm thinking about like maybe flying up to Sydney or something and talking to a few awesome people up there. So, you know, give me money. And, um, you know, Foley, Gary Foley says he's going to come on. Tony Birch says he's going to come on. Um, Hall Greenland from the Greens reckons he's going to come on. And others. Oh, Mark Blythe from Brown University reckons he's going to come on. If anyone can give me any information about having um, a two-way conversation with um, somebody on a podcast and they're not going to sound like shit, email me, helen at badhostess.com. So you know, no incitement to be rude or cruel or poisonous or vile to other persons. But it's a reminder for 2019 that the idea of speaking nicely in Parliament, the idea of the the powerful speaking nicely is just ludicrous. I mean, we're so alienated from power. It is a delusion, like a delusion of so-called democracy that we have something in common with power um, when we have none of it. And, um, you know, the idea of being, of women being nicer or being able to inform consensus on nice debate, fuck that. Fuck the state of nature. Fuck your racism. Fuck your biological metaphors. Fuck your eugenics. Fuck your liberals. And of course, Fuck the nativists. Um, but, you know, really, the idea of poison, it's not a good one. And the idea of a nice, non-toxic woman who makes everything safe for the kids, it's maternalistic, you know. And by the way, I'm no more conciliatory than Margaret fucking Thatcher. I am absolutely convinced that the, that the, the, the single thing, you know, the one weird trick you can do in this fucked-up toxic era is to change the mode of production or at least take some fucking interest in regulating capitalism. You've got no interest in that whatsoever. I mean, even Elizabeth Warren, who's like the least shit person that's announced for 2020 thus far, is no longer talking about banks and financial regulation. You know, I mean, talking about toxicity. As for that fucking, what's his name, Beto dude from Texas? Jesus, fuck people, do you learn nothing? Have you never seen a Hitler documentary? Deflationary pressure in that period, right? Poor people. The fear of material loss is not the producer of racism, right? But it's an ideal condition for hatred, nativism, and in fact these ideas of pure old times where there were no toxins to spread and be revived, right? These ideas still exist. I don't know how we're going to get rid of them, okay? Except, you know, I think ending capitalism would help. But so these ideas are there. They will revive in such periods. Let's not have such periods. Let's fight for the survival of our fellows, right? That You know, the urge to be human and humane, right? It's a fucking state of nature bullshit. 
And Nanette is the opium of the masses. Consensus is not a good thing. If we're attaining consensus between whether or not to consent to an inadequate program of emissions reduction or a really inadequate program of emissions reduction, what's the point? You know, if we're arguing about whether to apply sanctions and starvation or just bomb the fuckers to death, which one is better? Do you have to choose? And what about, what about this shit about nuance? How much more nuance do you, do you need? I mean, you can have that hobby of nuance in your life, certainly, uh, and consider uh, issue by issue, matter by matter, the nuanced shades, right? And have that hobby and think of Nanette as nuanced and cry. And cry when Josh Frydenberg and Ed Husick have a hug in Parliament and say, oh, oh, reaching out between, you know, over the aisles. And, you know, don't worry that they're, they then went on to pass very brutal legislation. They voted for the expansion of military power into domestic events, which means when you and I go and wear a nice old lady linen to fight the fascists, it's now legal to call in personnel trained in shoot to kill and you tell me that the problem and the poison is discourse, is testosterone, and you tell me that the problem is jokes and listening to sexism on TV, could you consider that privileging that position is in fact toxic Fuck consensus, fuck respectable debate. Most people can't engage in it, you know. I should shut up, shouldn't I, Nackers? Thank you if you would like to (laughs) encourage me. Why would you? Helen, um, what's my name? Helen Razor, the Patreon thing, whatever. I don't know, give me some money, don't. I don't care. Will's got a shit. Bye! You've been listening to Knackers and the Vag. (laughs) 